Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and today I'm bringing you a special episode of the podcast. I can safely say this is one of the most important and impactful conversations I've ever had inside of work and outside of work. It it really impacted me deeply and I've thought about this conversation relentlessly since the day it took place and I know it's going to have a profound effect on you too. Today I meet Ashley Kane. I feared losing my baby every single day. That's why every single second of my day was so important and I was 120% every time I was with her. Whether that was at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon, whether I'd had no sleep, it didn't matter. I just valued and appreciated that time with my daughter so much. And I think that reflected on their nation. Ashley reached out to me a little while ago as he felt ready to talk in more depth about his experiences over the last year, which I think is unbelievably admirable and courageous. And I was keen to meet with Ashley to listen to him to give him the time and the space to say whatever he needed to say. That's what Happy Place is really all about. And uh, Ashley talks with such passion and bravery and just, he just has a profound outlook on life due to what he's been through. And I know that you will find this conversation beautiful, um, but also deeply, deeply moving. Ashley's been over the years a footballer, a DJ, a reality TV star, but now best known in the nation's hearts because of sharing the story of his daughter, Azalea. Azalea Diamond Kane was diagnosed with an aggressive form of leukemia at eight weeks old, And Ashley and his partner have bravely shared the story on social media to really help not only honour Azalea and celebrate Azalea, but to also raise awareness for other families going through the same thing. And my goodness, has he done that. I mean, the, the social media support that Ashley has had has been astonishing. If you're one of Ashley's followers, it has meant the world to him, and you'll hear more about that. But just thousands and thousands of people got behind Ashley and his family in trying to help Azalea, but also to now help so many other people going through a similar situation. Azalea sadly passed away in April 2021. Ashley has been really keen to to open up and and talk about his experiences and as i said it's 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 deeply moving but it's really important and i i know that this conversation will will either um give you a better understanding of of what this means for a family but it will also really warm your heart and just just give you loads to think about as it did for me Obviously, since the start of the pandemic, I've been recording the podcast mainly on Zoom remotely uh, due to 
all sorts of things that we've all been dealing with. But on this occasion, I met face to face with Ashley because of the nature of the conversation. We wanted to be together and that felt right for Ashley, which is the most important thing. So Ashley and a couple of his team members came to my house and um, I was nervous because I really wanted to just make everything perfect for Ashley so that he felt comfortable and safe. And then I really just sat back and listened. I didn't really need to say much at all. This is about Ashley and his family and Azalea. And he talks so beautifully. And you'll you'll hear during this episode, he speaks without hesitation. He speaks without an um or an er, uh, without needing to really mull over things too much. He has so much to say and it's really important. I want to start by saying a big thank you to Ashley as I really appreciate his words and his time and wanting to share his story with you lovely lot. So pop your headphones on. You might want some tissues because as I said, it's it's very emotional. Um, here's Ashley. Here's the show. Ashley, hi. Fun. Nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you. And I'm really glad that we're getting to do this face to face today. And I guess I want to start by saying I think you're incredibly brave for speaking about the last 12 months. And I know that that's incredibly important for you. And this is a, a big day because it's the first time that you've wanted to talk at length about what you've experienced the last 12 months. How are you feeling about talking today? Um, I think talking about my daughter, the journey and what we're doing is always going to be difficult. But at the same time, it's now my purpose to, to raise awareness and to do all that I can on my next step of the journey to help other children and other families that are going through the same thing. So, that, And that's why I, I really appreciate you inviting me down here today for my first podcast. So I'm slightly nervous and it's a lot of pressure, but I'm really looking forward to be able to tell my story and hopefully help a lot of people out there. It's going to be massively appreciated and I, I kind of want you to know that this is absolutely your time and your space. And I want you to be able to say whatever it is that, that you want to and I don't want to push you into any areas that you feel uncomfortable with so if there is a moment where you want to stop or you want to break or you want to change the subject then look this is totally your time so let's talk about what you've experienced in the last 12 months so your baby Azalea was diagnosed with leukemia after eight weeks and not only are you going through something unbelievably heartbreaking but it's it's during a pandemic so what did that mean for you and your family and the treatment that Azalea was getting at the time? Where do I start? Um, I mean, first of all, 
I've always been a family man. And despite the persona that people see on TV, anybody that knows me will tell you how, how big of a heart that I've got and how much I care about my family and the people around me. And um, having a child for me was something that I was looking forward to my whole life. And it was something that I wanted to make sure I was with the right person and I was at the right time in my life so I could give everything to my child. And it all seemed perfect. It was the best day of my life when Azalea was born. And uh, it's even hard talking about it now. It's the best day of my life when Azalea was born. And it was incredible because I've got such a big and loving family. And with Azalea coming into the family, it was like everything just excelled. Everything got better. And I felt, I felt like I finally found out who I was. Um, it, was a, it was a very, very good, amazing eight months and then we kind of, me, me and Sophia actually went away for the foot, didn't go away. We, were, we had to go to Manchester for work for the first day. And um, we got a call from the hospital saying that Azalea needed to go, to go in because we'd already taken her to the doctors. And the reason why we'd taken her to the doctors is because we found little bruises. I mean, this is a very important part for awareness of anybody who has small children. We found little bruises on her stomach and also we found lumps in her stomach. So we took her to the doctor straight away. We also seen that she had symptoms, nasally symptoms. Um, the doctors first thought she had a blocked nose, so they gave us nasal spray. And then they thought she was constipated, so they gave her a form of baby laxatives. And um, we kind of had an inkling that something wasn't right. So we pushed and we pushed and we pushed. And in the end, we forced the issue for her to go to hospital. So the doctors rang us, Azalea needed to go in. Um, when she went in and when we got to the hospital, we got the devastating news that she had leukemia and it was AMR leukemia as well, which is a very, very aggressive form of leukemia. I think as a parent, there, there is a certain stigma out there at the minute that, that you have panicky parents and parents that are pushy and parents that are too worried about their children. And maybe before this, I could have been one of those people that said that certain parents can be like that. After my experience, I would say that if you feel like there is something wrong with, with your child and you have that parental instinct that, that you want to get it found out, make sure you are strong with whoever you speak to and make sure you push. Because if we didn't push, my daughter probably would have only survived in the, another two weeks with the severity of her illness. She had a, a white cell count of 200 so me or you, as adults, we probably have a white cell count of 40. And her, as an eight-week baby, had a white cell count of 200, which meant if we'd have left it without immediate treatment, we'd have just woke up at home one day and she wouldn't have woke up with us. To find out that the best thing that's happened to you is near from being taken away from you is something I can't describe. When, we, when me and my partner got the news, it was devastating and... Um, our life changed from that second. We literally got to the hospital and then from the hospital, we got admitted to Birmingham Children's Hospital and we didn't go home. We didn't go home to get clothes. We didn't get home, go home to get toiletries. We, we stayed there. And because it was the COVID situation, which I know has been very difficult um, for people all around the globe, um, mentally, financially, it's been a hard time for everybody and um, especially for us because we were isolated in a hospital room. We weren't allowed to be in there as a family. 
So that meant that usually in this kind of situation, me, my partner, Sophia, and Azalea would be allowed in the hospital room. My mum, my brothers, her brother, everybody would have been allowed to have been with us to comfort us. But due to COVID, we were only allowed in there one one at a time. To be in that kind of situation without any support is very difficult, especially with the fear of waking up every day and thinking that your baby might not be here with you. At that point, though, I kind of went into survival mode. I found something inside me, and and I I believe in life, if I have to work out a situation or if I have to work out a conundrum with somebody else, I always try and put myself in the other person's shoes. And I think, would I like it if I was spoken to that way? How would I react if this person acted like this around me? And I think that gives me a level playing field how to deal with life and also to deal with people because you never know what someone else is going through on a day-to-day basis. So in in my situation with my daughter, I thought to myself, if I was ill, what kind of people would I want around me? And I thought... I need strength around me. I need courage around me. I need smiles around me. Because I know that I've suffered from depression. I've suffered from anxiety before this. And I know that even without illness, even without an illness such as cancer or leukaemia, that's enough to cripple you alone. So I thought, babies can't speak, but they're very sensory beings. So they pick up on senses probably even more than we do. So I, stormed in, I went into the hospital one day and I said to my partner, I said, look, I said, this ain't about me and you know more. This is about our beautiful baby. I said, she cannot see us cry. I said, she cannot see us upset. She cannot see us having a bad day. I said, when we are in this room, this is Club 100. I said, we smile, we dance, we play. Because that... Because I knew that it was so important for her as a sensory being and as a baby to see happiness, to see positivity, to feel that good energy. And you know what the maddest thing is, Fern? Yeah. I thought in the first place we were going to have to be strong for her. And it turned out that in the end, she was the one that gave us our strength. She was the one that made us happy. She was the one that made us brave. And she was totally a special, special baby. And throughout the journey, they didn't think she would make it through the first round of chemotherapy. They didn't think she'd make it through the second round of chemotherapy. She did. She flew through it. She was smiling every day. She was happy. She was brave. Her development was insane. The, the, the physiotherapists were coming around and they, they couldn't believe how advanced she was for her age. Three months old, she was standing on her feet. It was incredible. And um, it was a very difficult mental battle. However, because it was for someone else, it came so natural and so easy. Because when it's not about you anymore... You know you have to be strong for that person. And being strong for someone else, sometimes you have that responsibility and it, and, it, and it can come automatically. And I think that's what God does through. I think her strength the whole way through 
kind of initiated and and instigated our emotions and our strength and that's what got us as far as we got and one of the things that really helped me and my partner out was the support that we had not only from our family but from what I call my second family now which is my social media following and my followers and people that that supported the journey because social media as you know and as I know probably better than anyone can be a very cynical place mm. um there can be a lot of negatives about social media but I found that when it really mattered and when it counted the people that were following the journey was such a crucial part of why we were able to be so strong and why we got so far so well on the journey and it was something that was beautiful to see and it as as sad as the situation is it was refreshing to see that do you know what the world can actually be such a beautiful place with such beautiful people in it and that's why I always take time to thank the people following and supporting the journey because some days I think without them it would have been hard to stay up and it would have been hard to have the belief that we had and that we carried thank you so much for sharing that you know as i said at the start this is incredibly courageous you saying any of this it's amazing what you're doing um and like you say you know that to see that support and the amount of people that desperately desperately wanted for you guys to to be helped and supported it was it was beautiful to watch as an outsider and and, I, and as you say, I'm sure that boosted you as a family and, and gave you that strength. And not only that, but you along the way were raising awareness by being willing to be so open. And I know that at the point when you were looking for a bone marrow transplant, you had thousands of people as new registers acting as donors, which is a remarkable thing. It, it was absolutely incredible um the doctors told us because of azalea's mix it it was going to be hard to find a match um as soon as they told us that straight away i i I got onto anthony nolan and dkms who are amazing by the way in what they do and i tried to to get a campaign going to find azalea donor and to find out i think it was actually over eighty thousand people in a single weekend registered to be a donor for Azalea, but not only just for Azalea. If they're not used for Azalea, they go towards helping whoever needs a donor. And that was amazing in itself, knowing that not only are we trying to save my daughter's life, but by in doing that, we could be potentially saving 80,000, 100,000. I think it's probably over 150,000 now, more donors on the register, register list. That's more than they get in two years, both companies. So that, that just shows the... the the support that we had. But I think that that was really important to me, like knowing how kind of Azalea and our journeys, our journeys possibly helping people in terms of donors or potentially now with the foundation, the money that we've raised. But on a smaller scale, Fern, like we would be walking around the hospital and we'd be having other parents in tears, that we'd be having parents and their children coming up to us saying that, we've inspired them. We're making them act differently around their kids. We're putting smiles on their faces. We're teaching them how to be positive. We're encouraging them to make the most of every second of their time in hospital. 
Because my, my view on life is that you can't change what cards you've been dealt. So when we, we got told Azalea had leukemia, we couldn't change that. We couldn't change that. It was COVID and we were in a room by ourselves with our daughter. What we can do is make the most of it. And there was hardly any channels on the TV. There's probably two channels on the TV. There was no Wi-Fi, no internet. And the craziest thing about it, this is going to sound a bit bogus now, and it's probably going to go against everything. But in a way, the fact that it was COVID, it made it really special. Because if we were allowed in there together, if our families were allowed to be in there, it would have kind of diluted the kind of the time, the experience and the bond that we got to have with our daughter. And I know for a fact that we couldn't have possibly made more of our time in there with her. I feel like I've known Azalea for 50, 60 years because you probably know this. They say you never, you never know what you have until it's gone. However, I feared losing my baby every single day. That's why every single second of my day was so important. And I was 120% every time I was with her. Whether that was at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon, whether I'd had no sleep, it didn't matter. I just valued and appreciated that time with my daughter so much. And I think that reflected on their nation because I had someone drive down three and a half hours to my house the other day and um, really, really lovely family. And um, the gen the gentleman was in tears and he, and he, and he came to, to ask where Azalea's resting place was that, so they could pay the respects. And um, he was telling me how our journey saved their marriage. We had someone else drive down and tell us that our journey and what we were doing stopped them from taking our own life. I've had dads approach me and tell me how they're now going to see their kids and how they appreciate their kids and how they feel that they should be doing more. I've had people that are suffering from anxiety and depression say that if Azalea, who was fighting with all that illness, could still smile and still could still love life and still could appreciate every moment, then they can too. And I think that's the beauty of the journey, not just the big milestones, the amount of donors that um, were raised or the money that's now going to be going into the foundation to help other people. I think the side of it where you can, people are, marriages have been saved. People have gone to take their life, but they, they took a step back. And what we've kind of put out there is made them realise that there is more to life. They, 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 they can do it. They can be strong enough. They can be brave enough and they can have courage. And that's what's beautiful to me. And like I say, everything on this journey was bittersweet fun. Every bit of um, po possibly positive or good news we had, there was always some bad news just around the corner. But there is a lot of great, great things that have come out of it. And obviously we've had the price to pay, but I feel really, really good inside that in eight months of life that my daughter had on this earth, that she could make such an impact to so many people and that her legacy will live on. I mean, it, as you've said, it, it will in... 
so many ways and ways that you'll never know. There'll be so many people that you'll never meet that you will have had and your daughter will have had the hugest, hugest impact on. Not only because of your own, I mean, incredible attitude that you've had throughout this whole thing, you and your partner, Sophia, but also the fact that you're willing to talk about all of it. You know, as you've said, there's these positives I'm sure you weren't expecting that have come out of it and made you feel connected and change other people's lives, but also talking about grief. And grief is a ridiculously hard thing to talk about. And grief of this nature is almost impossible to talk about. I've been feeling nervous in the run-up to this because I I felt like I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what questions to ask you. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I don't want you to feel like I'm putting any pressure on you in any way. And I realised so much of that is because we don't really talk about grief. Nobody does. It's something that we feel scared to ask about. It's something that we feel either nervous or it's just too painful to talk about. And you've been so willing to do that and to share it. And it's incredibly generous to do so because... You're, you're changing lives. And I know there's a much bigger reason as well, and that is that you want this, this is your life's work now. And you're you're setting up the Azalea Foundation and this is now, this is your focus. Uh, with, with me, Fern, on, on, the, on the grief um, subject and, and around a lot of it is, I speak from my head and my heart and, I, and I'm quite an honest, and I'm, I'm not quite an honest, I'm an honest person. I said to you, your manager earlier said I'm a very bad liar. Um, <laughs> I said my partner will tell you that. Um, <laughs> but so I just find it easy to say what I'm thinking. And I don't pretend to be an expert in grief, um, in managing your mental health, in um, motivation. But I have a platform to be able to, to share my experience and how I cope with it. And I was surprised about how many people actually have similar scenarios or similar techniques of coping or maybe they've tried what I do and it's really helping them through my life um I've been I'd say I, I was gifted in a lot of ways but I feel like I've always wasted it maybe not not down to I don't know just I haven't maximized my potential and, and with the kind of following that I had before this whole situation I never knew what it was for I never knew what I was doing. I kind of just thought, I haven't got a purpose. What is this following for? What am I doing? Then this all happened, and it and it just became so clear to me. I, I've never, I've never been so clear and so adamant and so passionate about what I want to do until now, and that's why I just show everything because I don't know what's going to help someone, what's not going to help someone. I don't pretend to know that that's the right thing to say or that's the wrong thing to say. But if I just share my journey and everything that I'm going through, I believe that someone will be able to pick out something maybe from time to time that will help them. And that's why I wanted to kind of put, not put myself on the line, but because I have got this platform, it's about time that I used it for something positive that could help people. And my daughter done so many things that have helped me, that have genuinely taught me how to be a man, how to be a father, how to do the right things. And part of carrying on a legacy is me doing that for other people. I mean, 
if it wasn't for my daughter, Fern, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you with this opportunity. This is an amazing opportunity for me, but it's even better because it's purpose beyond this opportunity now. It's not something that's materialistic. It's not something for me to gain followers or get likes or get views. There's a bigger reason behind it. And um, have you ever heard the saying, um, it's by a guy called Eric Thomas. He, he's, a, he's a massive motivational speaker in America. And he says, if you want to succeed as badly as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. And I finally found something that means more to me than the air in my lungs. Azalea's legacy, this foundation, and helping everyone and anyone that I possibly can. And like, like you say, I, I just want to do as much good on this earth, fun. so I can earn my place while I'm here, so I can be with her again forever. And that's, and that's something that I will never veer from. Nothing you or anyone in this world could put in front of me could stop me from my path in doing this because I've seen how much pain this journey can cause, how much heartache the children have to go through it, the par- and their parents and me firsthand. That if I can help someone's journey, if we can all prevent maybe this happening again, then what's more beautiful than that? I was always scared about death, fern. Like, I used to have panic attacks about it. Something that really used to scare me. And then my, my, my daughter passed away in my, in my one of my partner's arms. <sighs> it's, a, it's a memory that I don't think will ever leave my head. However, I'm not scared about death anymore. I'm not scared. What I'm scared about now He's not doing enough here to earn my place, so I'll be with her. And that's why I'm so focused, because I want it to be that when it is my time, I can lie on my bed, I can look at everything that I've done, and I can know that I'm coming home. And that would be beautiful. It'd be really nice. Sorry, Ashley. It's fine. I think it probably makes it easier for both cry a little bit because <laughs> yeah. we feel comfortable to reset. <laughs> Listen, you, you you make a real... One thing on this, sorry, I keep talking. I feel like it's my first time, so I keep chatting. I am, um, you know, like, based on the topic of us both crying and stuff like that, yeah. I always believe that you only get a true emotional connection with somebody once the emotional boundary is broken. And I feel like we've broken that emotional boundary. And the, the reason I know that is because um, my dad, my, me and my dad, we, we had a really good, we got a really good relationship. He's, um, this okay, this goes on to what I wanted to talk about, actually, about males and talking about grief. One of the, the, the biggest things I find at the minute, which is difficult, is what I've just said to you. It's it's that having that real real emotional connection between man and man. Um, first hand, I know that because me and my dad, we've always been, we've always been like buddies. Do you know what I mean? He's a, he's a very strong man, a very tough man, very old school. Um, I don't think until this journey, I, I'd ever had a hug off him or a kiss or he'd gone to me, I love you. Do you know what I mean? And it's not because I know, 
it's not because I ever thought he didn't love me or he didn't want to give me a hug, but he he had that that old school mentality. Um, and during this situation, it's really affected my dad. Um, Azalea really affected my dad. He, you know what I mean? He, he mentioned now when he had Azalea in his arms, he just felt unconditional love. And through Azalea, it's made him able to kind of lower his emotional barriers so that me and him can have a proper connection. Um, and I think that's really important because I think as as men, a, a lot of men, I've, I, I've never had a problem with crying. I've never had a problem with hugging. I've never had a problem telling someone I love them. In fact, I probably do it more than I should, maybe. I don't think there's ever <laughs> there's too much There's never love. too much. There's um, never too much. There's a guy <laughs> at the at the, the cemetery the other day and um, his father has got a plot next to Azalea and um, we got talking, it was on Father's Day um, we got talking and um, he started he started to feel upset I mean I'm sorry um, I'm not going to mention your name so don't worry about it he, he started to get upset and as soon as he got upset his mechanism kicked in and he said, oh, I better go and I'll leave you to it, like that. And as soon as he went to turn away, I grabbed his arm and I think he was pr- pretty shocked. I grabbed his arm and I pulled him in and I gave him a big hug. And I told him, I said, if you ever feel upset around me, I said, never be afraid to cry. I said, because I cry all the time. And I said, you don't have to feel embarrassed. I said, you don't have to feel less of a man. I said, you let it out. I said, because you can always talk to me. I said, you can always show any emotion in front of me because guess what? I said, I ain't going to be afraid to do it in front of you. So there's going to be a time where I need a hug from you. And when I told him that and when I looked at him and when we both had tears in our eyes and cried, he's like a rucksack had just been taken off his shoulders. He felt comfortable. He felt calm. And we talked for another 10 minutes. The conversation was going to end there. If I didn't grab his arm and put him in for a hug and tell him, tell him it was going to be okay, that conversation would have been done. We'd have got no further. But now, we're cool. We talk. I told him that, you know what I mean, I'll look after your dad, you look after my daughter. I tell everybody at Zadie's resting place. So I speak to absolutely everybody. And I say that we're a family now. And I'll make sure that I look after your loved ones. You make sure if you're done, you look after Zadie. And... It's a really big community. You, you you don't you don't think about this community, and I I would have never thought it's not anyone's fault because I would have never thought about it unless I was in it. But there's a really big community out there of people that are grieving, people that are stressed, people that are anxious, people that are depressed, people that are suffering mentally, people that are going through the wars, that are in the trenches, and people that need help. And I think sometimes if we as people could be more accommodating to others and more aware of what's going on, we could really make a difference. Because if if people didn't know me, if I wasn't, um, if I didn't have kind of the following that I have and people didn't recognise me in the streets, I could be someone that's lost somebody and someone could say something or be insensitive around me or maybe I'm just having a bad day. And people's reaction to me would be like, what's up with you? What's going on? What's this about? Rather than taking a step back and understanding that, yo, I might have something going on in my life that's just turned it completely upside down. And I think it, it it's good to be kind of aware and it's good to take a back seat. And also it's good to not just judge people, maybe put yourself in those situations, 
maybe understand that that person is going through something and be accommodating. Open your arms, open your heart, open your mind and let them in. I think when you, like the story you've just so beautifully shared, you know, talking to the 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 guy at the, the cemetery, when you meet someone heart to heart, which we do unfortunately so infrequently because everyone's rushing about and you meet people like brain to brain or it's ego to ego and it's you know elbows and shoving or road rage or whatever and it's such a beautiful example of you encouraging him to go let's meet heart to heart let's have that moment together and I'm not going to judge you you don't need to judge me let's just feel the emotions and I don't understand grief anywhere near the level that you do, but it, it's one of those things that people outwardly want to suppress because it's so huge. It's such a huge thing to experience and to live with that suppressing it is easier. But it feels like you're you're moving with it. You're moving with it. You're you're talking about it publicly, which is you know incredibly courageous. And you're like you've just said, you're not afraid to to let it out and to feel those emotions. Fern, why, why do we grieve? Why do we grieve? We grieve because the person that we're grieving over means something to us. We grieve because we love them. We grieve because we miss them and we grieve because we care about them and it's hurting us, yeah? That's why we grieve. So by suppressing that, what are we achieving? Because all I want to do is talk about my daughter. And it's hard and it hurts. But I want to talk about her. I want to celebrate how amazing she was. I want as many people in this world to say my daughter's name. And I believe talking is a way. I believe that my daughter's up there and she can hear me. I believe that when I see an orange sky at night, she's showing me signs. I believe that when I'm going to do some of these amazing things for a foundation, she's going to be with me. Do you know what I mean? I, I, said, it, I said on Azalea's day in my, in my eulogy, I said that um, to the top of every mountain, to the bottom of every valley, along every road, across every ocean, north to south, east to west, corner to corner, pillar to post, I'll take you there. Because they are with us. They are with us. And I think that you should talk about what you love. We do it in every other area of life. If someone's got an Instagram profile, they put their new car. Why? Because they want to show it off. They put up the, the amazing day that they had out. Why? Because... They enjoyed it. They put up their achievements at uni or their new job promotion because they're proud of it. So why should this be different? I love my baby. I'm so proud of my baby. I miss my baby. And my baby makes me happy. And what my baby has, has done and represented and shown is something that's inspiring, not only to me, but millions of people all over the world. And by showing that, I feel like it's a little release because fundamentally everyone grieving wants to talk about their partner. They just may be afraid of thinking that they can't share it. Mm. They're probably afraid of people not understanding. 
Because like I said then, I, when I was crying at the start, fam, like before you cried, I felt a bit uncomfortable because I thought, she's not crying and, oh my God, I'm crying. And you cried and I thought, it, mate, it, it, it was a release. I think it, people should talk about grief more comfortably and there's so many people out there that are grieving. That And we are a community, we are a family and we can make a difference. And I just want to tell anybody that is grieving, I don't personally, it's very early stages for me, I don't personally think it gets easier. For me, I wouldn't want it to. But we definitely get stronger. And there's definitely things that we can do while we're here to make our loved ones proud. There's definitely things that we can do while we're here to earn our place so we're with him again for eternity. And there's definitely things that we can do while we're here to stand with each other and help each other out. That's a fact. And there's a lot of people out there that are seeking help, but they don't know where to look. Mm. And it's important. It's important. And I, that, that's a re- I think that's a really good part to add. Rachel. I think you should. You know, you get everyone, you bring everyone on board. It is that it is that discussion of yeah, like you know, I I can see even with my husband who who lost his mum um quite a while ago now, but very out of the blue, she had a drug overdose, and he's never felt comfortable talking about the grief, and you know, like you say, millions of people who have experienced extreme grief when it's shocking or it, it, it you know it's just so heavy and it only takes you know a brave person like yourself to step up and go I'm willing to go there I'm willing to talk about it to encourage other people to make them explore if they've got that within them if they can find that level it's not a level of comfort but a level of acceptance where they can talk about it it's so and I guess the the amazing thing about the foundation is that this can be anything you want it to be. And because you're getting such an engaged response from what you're putting out there, you can just keep molding it into whatever it needs to be. I mean, at at this stage, what what are your hopes for the foundation? What what are your goals with creating the foundation? The stars. We I mean let, let me read something to you. I'm going to go on my phone to do it um, first. 4,500 children are diagnosed with cancer every year in the UK. 4,500. Cancer is the leading cause of death in children aged between 1 to 14 years. And among those who survive, the invasive treatment used to fight the disease can often lead to a lifetime of serious health issues. Yeah. Childhood cancers are different to the cancers that affect adults and therefore dedicated research into causes and treatments is needed. Despite this, only around 2% of research funding in the UK is spent on research that is fully dedicated to childhood and young adult cancer. These are beautiful, pure little children who haven't done nothing to nobody so I think by the way the 2% that is and the charities that are out there for childhood cancer I like to say like I'm I'm supporting I'm behind you and big big love and respect for what you're doing because we need you and we need more and part of the what we want to do with the Azalea Foundation is number one 
raise awareness. Because raising awareness not only educates people, but it also might make a change to that number. So we can have a higher percentage, so we can have more funds in going into cancer research for kids, breakthrough treatments, trials, etc., etc. Um, with with the foundation, we want to be able to help children that need treatments. We want to be able to to give children the chance of survival. We also have been made aware of a few treatments, like the one that we went for in Singapore. We've we, we've heard and we've actually spoke to the people that that treatment can be readily available in the UK, but they don't have enough funding. So in Birmingham. So where we would have needed to go to Singapore, we could have gone next door. It's crazy. Um, we 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 want to help with families knowing how to deal with it because fundamentally, if the families and the, the parents can't cope, how can the children? There, there's no real specific pinpoint of the Azalea Foundation, but we just really want to help anything and everything to do with childhood cancer. And we've got an amazing team and an, and an amazing support network behind it because it's important for us for um, setting up something like this that it, it's done correct, it's transparent, it's above board. People know that when they're putting their money in, it's going to the actual cause to help the people that they intended. And that's why, even though it's difficult for us to do, we're working very hard at it because it's such a passion. And I'm really, really excited. I know Sophia, my partner, is really excited and the whole team's really excited to get it going because we want to make a real splash in the Not a splash. We want to make a real explosion in the ocean with it. And we've got an incredible social media kind of presence we've got an amazing kind of support base behind us and if we got it we want to use it i don't think there's many kind of charities out there with a the kind of current presence that we've got and i think it's not only important for people that are searching to to donate to a charity or they're they're, they're already part of a charity to to be aware of it i think it's important to probably reach out to people like me who before this situation didn't have any idea really about what's actually going on it's all the young people coming through it's all the people like me maybe many other people out there that don't really understand the severity and the cost of not understanding what's going on and not being willing to help so we just want to make it make it as widespread as possible you i mean you're already doing it which is a remarkable thing and I'm imagining very much as someone that's just observed what you're doing on social media and talking to you today that having that focus is helping you stay standing at the moment that's 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 probably the only thing I, I want to make a difference yeah I, I, you hit the nail on the head with it firm that is my purpose and that's where I find my power. So there's power in the purpose, and we just we, we really want to want to maximise the kind of outreach that we've had and the love and the support, which has been incredible. And um, we kind of we we kind of call it Azalea's Pride 
Number one, because we're so proud of her. And number two, because she's a lion. And everyone that's been behind us is like her pride. And it's been absolutely amazing. And we just want to kind of build a community and, and build awareness within that community. And kind of not only kind of help people with, well, help people that are suffering or save lives of people that are suffering, but help people that are mentally, help people mentally, sorry, that are going through it. And people that aren't going through it, give them a purpose. Because like I said before, friend, I've never had, I've done amazing things in my life. I've been a professional footballer, I've been an athlete, been an international DJ, been on TV. Was I happy? No. Did I have an end goal? No. Was I ever going to seek peace in my life? No. Because apart from being nice and loving with my family, what was I really doing to help out this world and the people in it? And being in this situation really highlights and identifies what's important. So I think the great thing about this charity is as well that it'll give people that maybe aren't going through the struggle a chance at purpose in their life a chance to really feel like they're doing good and help out. And then maybe some of the stress or the anxiety that they incur on their day-to-day basis basis, may be relieved because they're not too worried about all the things that are not important in day-to-day life because they're that focused and they're that satisfied on helping others, which really is the main main thing, I believe. And... There's such focus on community because that, you know, you have felt the power of that. You know, you have felt the power of that with having people react so instantly and so passionately to what you've been talking about and and how that has, again, been one of the things that seemingly is get, is getting you through this at the moment, is, is feeling like you're part of something. Yeah, 100%. Part of something and also maybe helping out and, and using using my platform for once to, not for once, cause I've never abused my platform, but using my platform for once as a reason that could help people. Not really, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not pretending to know. I don't really know, but I feel like based on the messages that I get and possibly the thousands of messages that I get, and I try to look for as many as I can, but most of them are, are saying that I'm helping and my partner, saying that the journey has gave them a real insight to life. So I guess that I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and keep showing my journey and and keep speaking my mind, keep showing my heart, and hopefully it grows into something special. It it just will, because that's what you're doing. You're already doing it, and you're just... You're going to keep doing it. And it's it's a privilege to watch from the outside. It's amazing to see who you're already helping. And it's exciting to see how many other people you can reach. It's it's a beautiful thing that you're doing. Beautiful. Thank you. On this as well, I just wanted to... Obviously, my, my partner Sophia's not here today. I wanted to, to basically say like a big thank you to her and that, that I'm proud of her as well. I couldn't have thought of anyone else that I could have done it with. I mean... That's not to say that we haven't had our ups and downs and that's not to say that she doesn't get on my nerves because <laughs> she she so does. However, she's been absolutely amazing. She has, has stood strong 
when she could have crumbled. Do you know what I mean? She stayed po- she stayed positive when she could have just kept her head down. And she she was and still is an absolutely amazing mom to Azalea. Azalea couldn't have had a better mummy. And I wanted to say that. I thought that was important for me to say as well on today because she has been absolutely incredible on this journey and she will continue to be incredible in keeping Azalea's name alive. You're both amazing. And so so is my family as well. My family's been unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Um, On this journey and throughout my life, I, I believe that personally for me, exercise has really helped me through every kind of sad, traumatic, devastating, stressful time that I've had. Um, From back in the day when I had to retire from football after my fifth or sixth operation, with no backup, nothing. I was um, sitting on my... I'll tell you the story, actually. I um, had a last shot. At football, so I moved. I moved to Romania. Imagine that. Wow. Not not like um. It wasn't like the London in Romania. It wasn't Bucharest or Cluj. It was um Mediash, which is actually Transylvania. Wow. Yeah, I went out there by myself. Um, done really well. Quite nerve wracking. I think I was like twenty two, still young, twenty one maybe. And um, my first game, I snapped my Achilles. So this is like like I say, my fifth or sixth operation. And that's that's one that writes it off. I'd already yeah. had two operations on the ankle. I had to get a taxi from Hungary to Romania, fly back to England, and that was it. I couldn't walk for twelve months. Um, I spent spent it all on my sofa. I had uh, things to pay for, obviously the bills, living the kind of lifestyle that I was living. Had no income, no insurance. In the end, I didn't even have. I, I was searching searching for change around my house to put petrol in my car to get from A to B. Had had nothing, incurred quite a lot of debt. Uh, and this seemed like there was no way out. And my first protocol that helped me before finding work, before finding a career, was fitness. And the reason why is because by doing something every day, it allowed me to tick a box every single day because you know this phone yeah you, you can you can work to, you can work for something yeah if you want to buy a new house or a new car or you want to go on a holiday or something like that or you want to make it a new achievement in business it's it's the journey isn't it it's not it's not once you've actually attained it once you've attained yeah. it you, you're on you're on to the next journey what, yeah. what else it's the journey and i believe that fitness has always took me on a journey it's took me on a journey and it's allowed me to achieve something every day. And I think if you want to be successful or you want to have clarity in your mind, you need to have a to-do list. You need to have a tick list. You need to be able to achieve something every day. Mm-hmm. And fitness is something that is possible to achieve every day. If you want to run one kilometre, if you want to run five, if you want to walk down the street, that is something that you can definitely achieve every day. And once you set your mind into that mind frame of achieving and ticking things off, you you quickly move on to the next one. So I've always been a big believer in fitness. It helped me out of that first part of stress and it really helped me through my journey with Azalea and this battle with cancer. It was something that I used to do every day when I was in the hospital and it's something that I found real peace in every day since. I've been... I mean, I'm a bit extreme. I've probably been biking 
30 miles a day wow. on, a, on a mountain bike, not a racing <clears throat> phone, on a mountain wow. bike. I've been running probably eight, 10 miles a day. I've been swimming at night. And it's quite difficult for me because I'm not actually, uh, I'm quite a big dude as well. So <laughs> kind of, yeah, I, I don't seem to be losing any weight in that aspect. It's, it's difficult on the knees, but it, it's something that has really, really helped me. I believe that when I'm outside, that's when I'm with her. I believe that she's in the sky. So when I'm outside, she can see me and I'm with her. And also believe that I'm taking her on a journey. And also exercise releases good endorphins around the body. So if you go on a night out, you have a drink, guaranteed you're going to regret it the next morning. There's one thing, after exercise, you will never, ever regret it. You might fear doing it. You might not want to get up off the sofa, but after you've done it, you will never have a regret because you will feel so good and so empowered after, for me personally, that I believe it will help. So because I'm outside every day, like a madman, everyone in my town knows me now. I'll get people wandering down the window shouting, let's go champ yeah, out he's the on his bike. Yeah, wearing <laughs> orange, obviously. That's one thing I wanted to incorporate into what I could do with the charity in terms of kind of challenges and fundraising. Because from my side of things, I didn't just want to hold my hand out and ask people to donate. I wanted to kind of show blood, sweat and tears. I wanted to kind of show people that I'm willing to go to the lengths of the earth to show people how important this is to me and how important it is to the children. But what I also wanted to do was reflect a fraction of the battle that these kids are going through. Because these kids are, I used to call my, my baby little lion. These kids are lions. These kids are superheroes. These kids are doing stuff that me and you sitting here could not do. It's incredible. So the first thing, the, the first thing I wanted to do is um, with the foundation is we're going to be biking a, a thousand miles. So we're going to be biking Land's End to John O'Groats. So the bottom of the country on the coast to the very top on the coast. Um, we're going to be doing it in 12 days. And for someone that's not an experienced biker or anything, I think it's going to be very tough, but it's going to be a great journey. And Are you with mates? Who's the team? My brother. Your brother. Me and my brother. Beautiful. Yeah, he, he, he's been absolutely, both of my brothers have been absolutely amazing. One behind the scenes and one physically out there yeah. training with me. Um, we're going to be, after that, we're going to be doing the three peaks. So in Scotland, um, England and Wales, but we're biking between. So we're not driving. We're going to do the Scotland bike, wow. do England bike, do Wales. I'm going to bike from my house to Paris. Um, we're going to trek the Sahara Desert. We're going to bike India to Taj Mahal. We're going to do some yeah. absolutely incredible things, but everything there is going to be very tough and I'm going to try and make them as difficult as possible. So not only can I challenge myself and keep myself mentally in a good place, but I can also show people a little bit of how difficult the kids' journeys journeys are. So maybe they, they feel a little bit easier about wanting and being willing to help. If I'm willing to do that, then they can be willing to help out. I guess it's, maybe. A wonder, it's a wonderful idea. Hopefully, well, look, I'll, I don't think I could do the whole thing, but I'll I'll buddy up with you guys for a bit and do a leg. Do you want to? I'd love to do a peak with you. I'd love to do I'm a climb. Fern, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm so going to hold you to this. I'll do it. That's absolutely amazing. Of course, I would love to do that. It would be amazing, amazing, amazing. And I don't want this to just be oh, we've done a podcast, lovely. Like you know, this I want to. 
I want to support you. I want to be there for you. I want to honour what we've talked about today. So I'm there. I think it's a beautiful idea. And already it's so obvious to see that you're getting so creative with so many different ways that you can push this message and get people on board with what you're doing, raise the awareness. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. And um, for me personally, it's been an honour and a privilege to talk to you about this today. I... You know, I can't imagine each time you're talking about it, how difficult it is. And, you know, everybody out there respects you massively for going there and for talking about this. And because you've got that drive, because you want to do something amazing, which you already are. So from me and my little Happy Place community, thank you so much. And we all just wish you every ounce of luck and love and also to your partner as well you're both doing amazing amazing things so thank you let's go champ let's go champ azalea kane i love you baby forever and always your legacy will live on you'll do some amazing things on this planet and me and your mommy are going to help you do that ashley thank you so much i can't thank you enough as i said at the start i've thought about this conversation on so many occasions and Ashley's story and also the, the the bravery and the beauty of his daughter Azalea have been on my mind constantly. Certainly whenever I see a beautiful orange sunset, it's it's the first thing that I think about. So Ashley, thank you. And <laughs> I'm so ready for that bike ride. I'm ready whenever whenever you want. I, I will I don't think I confess this to Ashley strongly enough, but I'm I'm no cyclist. <laughs> but I'm I'm there, mate. I'm there for you, as is everybody. Thank you. The Azalea Foundation will launch on the 24th of August, and its aim is to provide financial support for families raising money for specialist treatment, as well as providing magical experiences for children with cancer. There's a link to the website where you can donate and find out more in the show notes. Do go check it out and help if you can. Thank you so much again to Ashley. Can't thank you enough. To the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio and to you brilliant lot for being with us today. We really appreciate it and we'll see you soon.